Hello and welcome back to The Squadcast, the podcast from London voice agents, Voice Squad. We are continuing our new series in which we interview clients we regularly work with for their unique perspective on the industry and on voice acting in general. Once again, a reminder that these interviews were recorded at the beginning of lockdown and were beset with technical difficulties. As such, we ask for your patience with some of the recording qualities and hope that this won't affect your interest and enjoyment in the content of the conversation. In this episode, a familiar voice returns to the Squadcast, David John, our Series 1 interviewer. He's back and on the other side of the mic. He'll discuss his work as a dabbing director for international shows aimed at US and UK audiences. So, without further ado, here's David's interview. Well, it is such a pleasure to get to speak to you, especially as um, the host of our previous series, which was so fantastic. You did a great job speaking to everyone. So I'm very, I'm very honoured to get to speak to you today. I hope I, um, I hope I'm able to fill your shoes. <laughs> Especially as I, I listened to the series that you hosted before I yeah. came to join Voice Squad and it gave me such a fantastic taste of the industry and everything they do as an agency. So thank you for that as well. Yeah, pleasure. It was really good fun to do it actually, talking to you know different people, working different genres, etc. Yeah. You know, it's so big now, isn't it? The audio section of our business is just uh, getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely. Um, so I was wondering, could you let us know what you do within dubbing? Um, I know you're a voice artist, but you also work as a director. Yeah, I mean, the dubbing world is kind of, you know, very interesting part of things at the moment because it's growing, like a lot of the things in the industry, computer games, etc. Um, so I, at the moment, mainly cast and direct. So that would be, I get the material from the company I'm working for. I hear the, all the voices that the, the, on the original actors and then cast it and then go in the studio with the adapted script, which I can, you know, explain more about. And we work with the actors, direct them and, you know, make sure that everything goes through is correct in terms of the language, the adaptation and the performance. Fantastic. And how did that move from voice acting to voice direction come about? Yeah, it was really because I've been working in ADR for a long time. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, that's kind of, it's dubbing in a sense, as except it's in English. Mm. Um, it's uh, automated dialogue replacement. It happens on all TV and film shows. I'm sure, you know, most listeners have probably heard about ADR. But that's where I started moving from acting to directing because I started to direct um, sessions, ADR sessions on film and TV uh, through my own little company in the loop. So we were casting and directing general English ADR. So uh, yeah, did that for a few years. And when the dubbing, the first kind of dubbing job came, came to Britain to be dubbed into British English, I was just suggested by three or four different people to the company. It's a London-based studio. Uh, they were looking for a director. So because the project was in Spanish, I speak Spanish. I lived in Cuba for a year, so my Spanish is pretty good. They wanted someone who could speak Spanish, who directed some kind of dubbing or ADR. And, you know, I went in and had a chat with them. So that was how the first job came about, really. 
Definitely, that makes sense. What a good, um, what a good feather in your bow to have that fluent Spanish. It's so useful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had no idea at the time it would help so much with work. I've done mm. quite a lot of work um, that's Spanish related. You know, whether it's doing an accent or understanding the kind of source material with this, it really helps. Um, it's not impossible to work. I mean, I've worked with German and Italian as well. It's not impossible. It's just an advantage if you speak the source language. And because we have translators who translate the language from either the Spanish or the German or whatever into English. So if you don't speak German or whatever, you can still direct the dubbing. But when you're actually in the room, in the studio, and you can listen to the original language and understand it, it really does help. Absolutely. And... How different do you find directing compared to being behind the microphone yourself? And have you found that transition challenging? Yeah, it's different. I mean, it is a kind of natural transition. A lot of actors become directors, don't they, in, in every kind of level of our industry. Um, so it's a kind of natural progression, particularly if you like working with actors, which I do. But the, the technical side of it, you learn a lot very, very quickly on the technical side of it, which I didn't ever bother myself with when I was just acting. Working with an engineer closely um, is different on, on a kind of long term, but you know, kind of intense period, five, six weeks, you're kind of together working, you know, eight, nine hours a day. So that's different um, rather than coming in just for four hour session. Also, the project you have to know inside out from beginning to end, every character, every plot twist, because an actor will come in and be coming in for a four hour session to cover a character. And you need to be able to answer any question that they need to know quickly. What's happened to this character in the past? What are we talking about? Why does he deliver the line in that way? So you need to be on top of everything. So there's a there's a lot of preparation, I would say, goes into it. Longer, more hours of prep. Yeah, definitely. And in that, um, as part of that preparation, what do you look for in the casting process? It's interesting, actually, because a streaming company that are the producers will have the final say usually on the lead characters. So in the casting process, we will suggest uh, three or four actors that, you know, people I think have the right sound, the right age, etc., and they will we'll test them. Because what is interesting is you never quite know 100% if the voice is going to work in the face of the original actor until you see it and hear it. Because, um, you know, the key is we are reversioning something. It has been created, it's been made, it's, you know, so much work has gone into it you know, right from the writing stage all the way through production, loads of money been spent on it and we are reversioning it, not making it. You go back to the original material, the source material, it in all situations, but for casting, you're listening not just to the, you're not just looking for a sound alike. That is a big part of it, but they need to have the feel of the character and, and a kind of delivery style. Um, sometimes it's the pace thing. Sometimes there's a music in the voice. Sometimes there's a natural kind of timbre in the voice that just fits the original actor. And that's what we're doing. You can't have, 
you know, a kind of bassy, big bassy voice played by someone who's speaking in a higher voice, it will never work. Again, it's listening to the, the, the sound of the original voice. Uh, um, and that definitely covers age as well as everything else, because it is impossible to maintain. We, you know, we generally do six episodes, eight episodes, uh, 45 minutes around there. Um, and to maintain a character that your voice is 20 years, 10 years too young or old for is just impossible. So you're looking in an age bracket, but it's the sound. Obviously, we know some artists sound 10 years younger than they are, some even more. But that's their voice. That is their sound. So that's the age they have to really play. So rather than trying to get people to age up or down in dubbing, it just doesn't work. You've got to be around the right kind of ballpark age. I see. And what piece of advice might you then give to an artist who has never worked on a dubbing project before? Yeah, that's an interesting one, because um, usually you find that actors who have worked in ADR or sometimes even radio drama, things like that, computer games, can very quickly pick up dubbing. It is a different technique to anything they ever do. Uh, it draws from different techniques. I would say probably the closest is if you've done kind of British, English, ADR stuff. So the advice for someone new coming in would be to go to a streaming platform, look at their material, watch something in the original language with subtitles, go and watch a Spanish show or a German show, um, watch a bit in the original language with subtitles, listen to the characters, maybe specifically one character, and then go to the dubbed version, listen to that character and listen to what the actor has done and see if you think it, it works brilliantly or maybe there's something that you might want to criticise, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just listen, have a look, have a listen. Actually, when you come in, everything's set up for you to... You know, if you haven't dubbed before, we, we do like bringing in new voices. It's all set up for you to pick it up quickly. If you're a bright, sharp actor who's been in the studio many times, you're going to be able to dub, probably. I mean, how good you can be at it, of course, is, is up to the individual. I mean, some actors are absolutely brilliant, instinctive dubbers. Others work have to work harder at it, and it's difficult to rehearse, obviously, at home because um, it's one of those techniques you need to be in the studio, you need to be taking direction, you need to be at the mic, you need to be reading your lines as they come across the screen. So, you know, the, the key would be to look at the original performance, see what is drawn from that to the dubbed performance, have a look, and then the rest is kind of get in there, use really acting skill of taking the original performance from the act that you're watching, and replicating that as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a really good bit of advice and hopefully um, fairly easy for an artist to do with Netflix and other streaming services, making it so easy to access um, different shows. Yeah, there's a lot out there. I mean, you know, this is the good thing for the industry here at the moment mm -hmm. is that there, there are a lot of shows being dubbed from European languages into British English rather than US English, because originally there was more work done in the US. So so you had American English, mm. whereas now a lot of the European stuff, particularly period stuff, it, it just works better in British English because um, it doesn't place it so firmly in the USA. So if you're doing a medieval show and you've got American accents, it's just not going to work 
whereas if it's kind of RP British accents, it, it does work. It's just, you know, one of those things. So, you know, it is, there is more work here now. Um, we obviously want to keep that going. We're trying to build up a, a dubbing kind of industry. Traditionally, we haven't really had one here. Whereas in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, they've always dubbed British films, American films, British telly, American telly into their own languages. And that's how they watch it. Whereas here we watch, we watch a French movie. We watch it in French with subtitles. That's just our, our kind of tradition. But now with the, the TV streaming services, people watch on iPads, people watch on their phone sometimes. So they want to pop their headphones in and listen to the dialogue. They don't want to be reading it in tiny mm. little writing on the screen. So, you know, as we stand now, there is more work being dubbed into British English. And we, we hope it continues, obviously. Absolutely. Yes, I'm one of those terrible people that always has something running in the background on my laptop. So yeah, on your laptop or your phone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely see the benefit of dubbing over subtitles. Well, that's the that's the future, isn't it? I mean, that's that's where it is now. Ten years ago, we wouldn't have dreamed of watching a t telly program on the phone on yeah, the tube. Exactly. And just one quick question, I think. So, what sort of preparation do you have to do then before the session? Uh, you mean as a director? As a director, yes. Yeah, so you look at each set, well, the, the, the main prep you, you do before you even go near the studio, which is watch the whole thing time and time and time again, look at the adapted scripts that you're going to be working from, see if there's any changes you want to make, um, if you're not adapting it yourself. Um, but on the day, you know the actor who's coming in, you know more or less which episodes you're working on, whether you're going to get through one or two episodes, and you just have to know you know, ahead of time, every detail about the background of the character. So you can, you know, you might get five minutes to tell an actor, okay, your character is this many years old. They come from this area. They've been living here for this long. They're part of this family, gang, whatever. And they need to find that out very, very quickly. So you need to know every character inside out. You need to know the story inside out. If there's any kind of subtext or subplot going on, that needs to be played but really you know once you've watched it time and time again it's getting in and you work on it scene by scene so you sit with the actor watch the scene in the original language then discuss it before you actually start recording so you know you work scene by scene when you get in the studio absolutely yeah sounds like you have a lot uh, that you have to keep in mind before the session, but there's even more to do once it starts. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's the key to it is, is it's all down to the actors coming in and performing well. You know, if, if you're watching a dubbed program, which you have, then if you don't believe it anymore, you know, it's a suspension of disbelief thing, isn't it? If you're watching and just listening and, and listening to the story and you're in it 100%, then it, we've done a good job. If you're thinking, wait a minute, they, he didn't say that, or that finished a bit later than his mouth moved or something like that, mm. then it's a bad dub, you know. Absolutely. I watched um, How to Sell Drugs Online Fast recently, fantastically dubbed. The Great. The acting was amazing. It was totally yeah. seamless. And yes, well, none of that. Oh, something should have been going on for longer there. Or none of that. Yeah, good. Well, that's that. in that case, that's a good dub. And that is the key, is that you watch it and you just watch and enjoy the programme. You're not thinking as a viewer, 
has this been well dubbed or not you may as an agent be looking and seeing your you know seeing your artists and thinking oh they did a good job you know etc but as a viewer you just want to watch the program enjoy it get into the characters don't see the twists coming you know laugh or whatever that's what it's about it's not about you know the the, the, the huge amount of work that goes into it is irrelevant to the viewer they just want to watch and enjoy the program and that's that's it exactly yeah great okay thank you so much dave um, that's all right we managed to get to be it for today sadly yeah, yeah um, that's fine this episode of the Squadcast was made for voice squad limited the introduction was read by emma torrance and the interviewer was orla quilligan the podcast was written and edited by emma samuel for more information about Voice Squad, you can visit voicequad.com or check out our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.